balaclavered men come running in my house. They stamped on my dog. And this ball and chain was heavy. Put two snooker balls together, three snooker balls together. And the spikes that are coming out of it. It's spikes? On, yeah, it's like a ball and chain. It's got I spikes. I thought it was just like... Well, no, no, it's got spikes on it. What I've been through, I'll give a good as I get. But if it's a man and you want to start throwing hands, so then I just started whacking this guy on the stairs with a wine bottle. I'm like, I think, yeah. I tell you what, I tried um, the legal cup once. Oh, how did that go down? I just kept ringing a taxi and every time they went to me, where are you going? I kept going, I'm going on an adventure with my backpack. There's just a part of my brain that's, you know, not wired right to, to other people's. My dad used to say it to me, like, you know, you're not weird, Kerry. You know, there's just something wrong with you. I've come close from being sectioned many times, especially when Marvin got diagnosed with brain tumour. And when my dad died, I begged him to section me. And they was going to put me in respite. And that day I found out I was pregnant. So, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, they was going to they was gonna section me. So, But I've nearly been sectioned about five times. No matter what I'd been through, this was the hardest. It felt like my whole world had collapsed. Like, I'm going to lose. Sorry. Huh. I'm going to lose my best friend. You judge people from getting your fillers done and getting, you know, big boobs and you bummed them. But you know what people don't understand? That's a body, that's body dysmorphia. Like, I'm not allowed to be weighed. Like, the psychiatrist will weigh me. Like, he was going to put me, section me for, like, I went to, like, seven stone. Like, I was, like, if you see my old pictures on Instagram, I've not took him down for the reason it reminds me of, you know, how far I've come. Like, I used to not be able to get up in the morning because my bones hurt that much. Like, like, I was just skeleton. Like, I damaged all my teeth. I'm like, all my front teeth have had to be fixed. I've got, you know, loads of fillings here that I'm, I'm going to get my teeth done. Through the enamel, my hair got really thin, my nails, like, yeah. re still really bruised easy now. Like, there's after effects from it, yeah. It's where the money comes from. Yes. Sex abuse victims. You know, what money do they get off us? They don't get no money off us. So they give, you know, they'll give a rate. Four years, they'll go for a drug dealer, a big eight years. And they'll take all his assets. All his assets. And it'll all be recycled back to the cop. Yeah, but that rich can come out and his house can still be there. He can go back living in it. Mm. How, how is that fair? That ain't fair. I don't think the system will ever change. No? Nope. The, the whole world is run by money. Everyone's money hungry. So, you know, as long as victims and sexual and all that aren't making the money, no, it'll never change. Many of you watched Kira's part one and it's just absolutely mind-blowing how brave she is, what she survived, what she got through to get through one evil, i got to watch my language for five minutes, um, person, let's just say, and then for that other textbook person to come around and, you know, she was fighting for her life, covered in blood, knocking on houses, trying to get away from him and she did manage to get away from him and it's amazing, the story. But there's a lot more. You may have seen Lee Marvin Hitchman part one and part two. And like they've got like 10 podcasts in them each, basically. They've got so many stories. So Kira is back. Marvin might be joining us. And we're going to start with Marvin was at home and some guys come in the house and attacked him with various weapons 
including a medieval ball and chain. So huge thank you for coming back, Kira. Yes, thank yeah. you for having me back. Good to see you. <laughs> Always you, a pleasure. Can you set the scene then? What was going on? That Was it just a normal day up well, until that happened? Yeah, like I'd been out with St. Patrick's Day, so obviously I'm Irish. Um, got home like, it was relatively early, like one in the morning and obviously I like, had a few drinks with my mom and I've come in and like just going to sleep and I hear my intercom go. And I was like, you know, who's this at this time? So I've like picked it up, pressed it, let them in, and three balaclavered men come running in my house, had hammers, bats, like Sean said, a ball and chain, and just started attacking Marvin and was swinging this ball and chain like, over his back of his head, the front of his head, and his shoulder. And I was like, I'm trying to intervene. The other ones smacked me in the ankles with the hammer. But obviously, I think it's because I'd had a drink. It didn't really affect me. And then he smacked me over the head with a bat. So obviously, like, Marvin's fighting back with him. But obviously, because like, he's been smashed, you know, in the head and, in, like, there's blood in his eyes and everything. Like, they're, they're all fighting. And then it, it came out onto, the, you know, the communal the hallway and stuff and then like my dog she was on a little soft dog she come out and like was barking they stamped on my dog and like she got really back back legs through it and then not so many months later she actually you know passed away you can't say if that caused it but like she couldn't walk properly after like these stamps on her head fucking and, then, disgusting. and then of like they ran off drove off and then obviously i phoned the police like my living room was, it was full of blood. Like, Marvin is stumbling everywhere. And, like, at first we didn't know what he'd been hit with. And I've looked at the back of his head. He's got this massive hole in his head. So, like, the, the police come and then they rushed him to hospital. Did loads and loads of scans on him in hospital. And then I remember him coming out and I was like, oh, my God, like, is it serious? He was like, babe, I've got a brain tumor. I was like, what? He's like, I've got a frontal lobe brain tumour. They're going to rush me to another um, another hospital to, like, get scans done. But, like, they wanted to see, like, you know, a swelling going down on the back of his head. So then within, like, a few days, he was on the end-of-life trauma ward in a different hospital because they felt like the brain tumour was, you know, really growing. But then he actually got brain damage through the smack to his head. We don't know if the brain tumor has already been there and it, um, you know, was discovered when he got hit. But he used to always suffer really badly with migraines and, like, can forget things. And he was quite forgetful. So they said, like, that's all the signs of his brain tumor. It's, like, literally there in the on his frontal lobe brain tumor. Wow. And what was going through your mind when he was in the hospital? <sighs> I was so scared like because we've been through so much together and I've seen him like you know like he said like, I was with him when he got bit by the police dog like I've gone in crack houses like like he said yesterday like with these gangsters like not giving a fuck because when it comes to Marvin like I don't care so because I've seen him like killing himself over the years because like what people don't get with crack you get crack psychosis and, like, they really lose the mind. So, like, I'd have to, like, settle him down and stuff like that. So when it happened, I was like, oh, fuck, we've done all this and this is how we're going to go out. Like, 
we're going to go out because of a fucking brain tumour and because somebody with whatever reason they thought they had to come in my house, not even in his house, step over my threshold and attack him and attack me. It was petrifying. I mean, did you know at any point why they were there? Yeah, yeah, I kind of, no fault through our own, yeah, we kind of had a reason. Whether, yeah, I know, I know why they was there. Just a bit malfair, wanted themselves to be known and whether that was because they wanted to take Marv on. I mean, you know, you don't come free, man armed up with balaclavas on. You know, come one-on-one -on -one and have a fight and, then, you know, if you lose, you lose, but... How did it end? Um, well, when I started um, attacking back, like, even though Marv was stumbling, like he got this adrenaline, because obviously he's seen me getting attacked. But I can give, like you've heard what I've been through, I'll give a good as I get, especially if it's a man, and you want to start throwing hands, so then I just started whacking this guy on the stairs with a wine bottle, and like, I think, yeah, <laughs> his head. so I think like they got the gist like, like, you know, I'm not your average girl, I'm going to be like, you know, if you want a tag team, we'll tag team together. So they ended up just running out after all this chaos. <laughs> they just ran out. I think one jumped in the boot and the others jumped in, like, the front and just, like, sped off. And that's where, when I've come in, I've thought, like, who do I phone? I thought, I'm phoning the police. You've come in my house. Like, you know, it's not it's not a street fight. I'm phoning the police. Like, it's not as if you just got, you know, a slap around the head. Like, I'm talking, this ball and chain was heavy. Put two snooker balls together, three snooker balls together, and the spikes that are coming out of it. And it's spikes? On yeah, it's like a ball and chain. It's got I spikes. I thought it was just like one of the. No, no, it's got so spikes on it. So, like, he's got a big scar there. So, at first, it was whacking him over. So, it was only hitting his shoulder. And, like, as he's coming to them and, like, bending his head to, like, ramming, they've caught him there. But, like, not once. Because, like, yeah, it had spikes in it. And the chain was, like, this long. So, like, he could have just been where Sean is and just was going. He wasn't actually in his face. He wasn't, you know, trying to get close to him. So obviously that's why they brought that weapon. So, that, you know, they didn't have to get up close and personal because was he going to lose or was he going to win? How oh. many times do you think the ball hit him? Four, maybe five times. Enough. Yeah, enough times to put that hole in his head and cause him the damage to his brain that they did, yeah. Wow. It took him about three years to get over that. That, that brain damage, like, even now his, his memory and stuff, it's, like, I have to remind him of things, you know, you know, like, he can't be left untended with, like, a cooker and stuff, like, he's always had a bit of a bad memory through smoking crap, but, yeah, that that massive can contribute to it, and, like, he gets excruciating migraines now, still to this day. And would you say you suffer with, like, PD, uh, PTSD <sighs> yeah, from it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's why he grows his hair, because... Like the scars on the back of his, like he can't shave his head, you know, because of the the motion and the feeling of shavers. Like he always had, like I said it before, shaved head, and he can't now, and that's why his grooves hair. He's never had long hair, oh, but obviously he can't have things, you know, touching his head because of the tumor and but as well as the brain damage. I mean, how long did the police take to arrive that night? Just wondering. Pretty rapid. Pretty rapid. Mm. Yeah, pretty rapid. But I've always had markers on my address because of Mark. So mm. I've got a 60-second response on my address because I've when I got a threat to life, so because it was in my address, yeah, they come pretty rapid and they come, like, teamed up, the ones. And then the crime scene investigators come and CID come. But obviously, you know, we don't know who it was, do we? So. Mm. 
Which ones? What do you want off the list? Ah, the list. So you've got loads in there of like rescuing from crack houses and stuff. Yeah, I've got some stories. About is this all in chronological? What's the order? craziest ones of those you've got? Being found by our response halfway through um, the crack house window, and them just telling me to do your thing, go and get him, because he was wanted. And there was numerous houses that I knew we'd be in, so. Pick the time of day it was, pick the time of night it was, pick who told me that he was with, because I'd go all over Manchester and be like, has he been here? The police have been at my house. Are you harboring him? And then one night he'd got off and it was just taking a piss. He was wanted. Police have come in my house, but it's getting to the point where the body's slamming me on the floor of the police because I'm just getting my office saying, just, you know, he's not here, get out of my house. And like, so the, one day I left my window open and they climbed through my house, the police. I know this police was footprints on my windowsill. My TV was ripped off the wall, like, my dog was put under the cupboard and, you know, stuff like that to like, think, right, this is Marvin's fault now, I'm going to fuck him up. So one night he'd got off and I found out he was in this crack house around the corner. And um, I'd been, I'd pre um, previously a couple of nights before, like it, where the prostitutes used to go and I'd say to me, I'll give you 20 quid, just knock on the door and then I'll just badge you like, you've not helped me, like I'm coming in the house. So I did that, but like, I didn't understand like this, these like drug dealers, like it's a, it's a crack house where they bring prostitutes. Then you've got gangsters and I'm going in there going, where's my fucking boyfriend? Like get him out. So this night, like it'd been at my mum's and uh, he jumped the wall. He was wanted, so we went to stay at my mum's. And I was like, oh, enough's enough. So, sorry. Awesome. So I've gone um, round the corner. I know that they're in, they're, they're in there or they've been in there because there's a phone on charge. So I've jammed the window. I'm halfway through. I see this unmarked police car. I knew it was the police. It's like three o'clock in the morning. And they've gone, what are you doing, Kara? <laughs> so I've gone, well, I'm having seen that house. So I'm going to bring him home. So he's like, all right, then, you you bring him home then because he'll come back to you and then we can arrest him. I could have literally done. I was shaking thinking I could have been done for burglary. Got in anyway, they weren't there. So I went back the, a few hours later. He was there. He tried to run out the back. Tried to run out the back. But I was too quick, but he was with this. This guy used to be a massive gangbanger back in the day. He's got no qualms for hitting women like he's got you know, pure violence. And he was like, you can't speak to Marvin like that. And I was like, you shut your fucking, get out. I had a plank of wood, like ready to hit anyone. I was like, Marvin, come on now. It's been six days, come on in. He's like, I've got to go now, boys. And he was like, you're just going to let her literally walk out the house. I was like, have you seen the state of him? Like, have you fucking even washed? Like, because he'd go and he'd lose, he'd go out like that. Five days later, he'd come back like that. Gone. Because what was it like living with him? <sighs> it, Chaos, absolute chaos. Was there ever any point where you thought of leaving? Yeah. 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 I just couldn't, though. Like, behind that, like, people have that stigma about crackheads and smackheads and stuff, but I've always said there's a story behind it, there's a person behind it. And behind that, that was his persona, that was his mask. So when he took his mask off, he's the most beautiful, loving person. Like, he's never been violent. He's never even raised his voice at me. I always seen him as, like, a lost little boy. Like, you know, had no one. Like, he just used to, like, float through. But, yeah, like, when you get to the jail visits and you keep doing them and, like, my life stands still as much as his do does, you know, when he's doing sentences. Fair enough, it's hard for him behind the door, but I've still got to be out here, you know, 
making money, working, looking after my house while thinking, oh, is he all right? But then knowing him in the back of my mind, I give him 48 hours, he's going to be back on the streets and then he's going to be back in jail again. So when the cycle goes, you do, yeah, you do. I I wrote him a letter one day and said to him, I can't do this. Mm. And to be fair, he wrote me back and said, yeah, I'm going to give you some space. You know, if you can't do it, then, you know, I'll always be your friend. And I did, I took time out and then I just thought, I don't know, I loved him. So it's a hard thing, isn't it? It's hard. Because you also mentioned that you've never done drugs together. Either. Never, never. You know, people, I don't know if people believe it or not, he never smoked crack around me. I caught him one time. He thought I was at work. And let me tell you, he didn't have that gold tooth in his mouth. It got knocked right down his throat. It was a massive shock for me to see him with a crack pipe to his mouth. I thought I was hallucinating. I just was like... You take it the piss, you're in my house and you smoke your crack because you think I'm elsewhere. That's the only time, but no, we've never took drugs together. Never. No. You're in charge well, of the list, Jen. Oh, well, <laughs> the printout would have been nice. <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll go in order. So we've done the never taking drugs together. The taking car parks in Beswick oh, of yeah, some firm. Beswick. Yeah, Beswick. Beswick. Uh, that's a bit of a crazy one. So we moved, I moved to Beswick, obviously, after I got attacked by Adam Downworth. And my life's not grafting anymore. I'm not grafting anymore. Well, money's coming slow. So there's, we live right by Manchester City Football Stadium. So on match days, you have car parks and there's like three of them. So you've got the small one, you've got the medium and you've got the big one. And this firm that had the big one, Marvin had his eye on it. But to give him his due, he said to him, can I jump on this car park with you? And he was like, yeah, we'll give you like, it was, it was daft money. And he was like, he's taking a piss. You're not even from this estate. So from then, he had a vendetta against them because these was charging £10 a car. This car park was from the length of it. They was getting, they was making money on that. Mm. So we got, he says to me, go on the land registrar. Because they're saying it's theirs. So I goes on the land register. No one owns it. <laughs> so I print the piece of paper off. They've got the bolted. They've got it bolted. Marvin gets his bolt clippers, but they've come. I'm in a firm of them. So Marvin's got his weapon. I'm stood there. This is what I mean. It's always just been me and Marv. We've never <laughs> had a firm behind us. Like, we're not a gang. So I'm like, so give it a mouth, give up mouth, don't let him take fucking piss. Like that. So he's like, you're not getting back on here, lad. I'm like, they said, get, get your bird inside. I was like, who are you calling a bird? I was like, move. So it all ended up into a thing, but in the end, he took the car park over. Like, no one could believe it because we were saying to all the local lads, yeah, you know, like, jump on. Like, there's money to be made because it was the season. And there was more playing at home, but then you had the concerts. So because the other car parks was only small, they was charging a fiver. So what had happened is we wouldn't get busy at first, but as soon as that car park filled up, you've got to fill. But Marvin would get me to stand in my best clothes on the road and then you've got to like, why do we so it's like, honestly, if you see a girl, you think, oh, my car's going to be safe. We used to just fill it. We used to make a thousand. But they did, they kept coming back and kept coming back to, like, they even, like, got the police involved and all that. So the police was like, but if it's no one's land, you can't make money. It was like, we're doing it voluntary. Which, you know, we're trying to help the local community so the cars don't get smashed up. Like, but we wasn't, you know, we was like, you know, we had little bags under, we had five 
best and everything. <laughs> my brother did um, the Olympics, so we had all like his, you know, his gear left over from the Olympics. <laughs> so we had the proper gear on. <laughs> what a hustle. Yeah, it was, was proper a, hustle. I think there was a guy in Bristol at Bristol Zoo. He commandeered a field nearby, right? And he was doing it for years, charging for a car park. And then it was only when he went on holiday and some of the people went, where's the guy from the car park gone? And they were like, what guy? Yeah. He was hustling it for years, yeah. allegedly. Allegedly. Is, have you done that many times? Yeah, we took Chad to take over another park, uh, <laughs> car park, and these fucking firm from, I think they were from Rochdale, they come with, like, proper weapons, weapons, and, like, I give him having his due, he was, like, fucking fighting them all, but... <laughs> We just, rather just went, you know what? It's not even worth it. Your car park's half the size of my car park. Keep your car park. <laughs> and then in the end, they couldn't even do it anyway because it wasn't, they tried to, it was like a car wash car park. So the guy that owned the car wash, he ran them anyway. So they didn't make no money. We didn't make no money. So it was fine. But then like you just said, the council got onto it. So now it's pay as you go. So you can't, mm. you know, you got to put your money in your ticket. It ruined everyone's it's fun. fun while it lasts. <laughs> We've got a good few seasons out of that. <laughs> A few seasons out of that. But with stuff like that, the trouble comes. You know, people get, you know, money hunger. Have you done any other hustles similar? I've done lots of hustles. Go on. Like, like when he was on drugs, like he would never, like, let me commit crimes and stuff like that. Like, I, he's done his hustles and I've done mine, but, like, like say we're walking and, like, he sees, you know, a graft, he'll say, like, just, like, go away and then when he'll come back, he'll be like, right, kids. Just like, at normal, like, let's do it. But we've never grafted together. Not like, like, what my used to go to jail for. Something like that, that's just a cheeky graft, isn't it? Like, you're not, you're not robbing off anyone, are you? No. It's a derelict fun. car park. But, no, we, we never grafted together, us. He always tried to keep me away from grafting, but... Obviously, I used to do my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving on. That's hilarious. Car park wars. <laughs> Car park wars. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. <laughs> no. uh, so up next we got the Prince's Trust and how you felt that helped you. How did oh, you get yeah, involved with that? Um, I was doing credit card fraud and like I explained it in my last one. I was coming up in front of that judge, you know. It was, it was getting serious, you know. Oh, we got a guest coming in. Uh, <laughs> I was going to go to jail, so I had like a probation worker. And she said, um, we'll get you on the Princess Trust. So I was like, no, that's voluntary. I'm not going on the Princess Trust. She was like, okay, then we'll pay you £20 a week to go. I was like, okay, then I'll go. <laughs> you know, Princess Trust, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. It's like the first thing that I completed in all my life. I learned how to do CPR. Like we used to volunteer for the cancer wards. CPR, you saved a man's life at the CPR as well, didn't you? Yeah, your adopted father's, adopted father's life. life. Yeah, that yeah. came back. What's the story of you saving the life? Yeah. Well, Marvin's adopted dad, he's a um, diabetic. And we went to see him. He was fine. And then Marvin said, oh, should we go get some food? And went to this really nice little romantic restaurant. And the vibe was different. We weren't really talking to each other. And he said, I need to phone my dad. And I was like, well, we've just, you know, come from that. So anyway, he phones his dad and his dad friend picks up and was like, oh, I can't wake your dad up. Like, nah, can't I wake him up. Can't wake him up. I don't know, like, whether he's dad. And we <laughs> was like, what? Left all the food, jumps into a taxi. He comes rushing in the house. Well, obviously, I know what I'm doing with CPR. I panicked. He panicked. I'm just seeing and, like, someone dying in front you know, of me. Tried to, Blue. His tongue, you're like, you're not allowed to, you know, try. And he was trying to, like, force his mouth open and pull him His tongue was, like, floor. fat and just... But you're not allowed like, to do that. Like he was... 
so we, I phoned the ambulance and that they was like saying like let's do the CPR like let's go through it and luckily like I brought him back to life like yeah. they said like kept him going into for a like coma. six minutes six did. minutes I was constantly like pumping his heart pumping his heart he's screaming just fucking save him get wake him up and I was crazy. like Marvin we we'll have to do this like this is what's gonna save him. So you were the car, uh, you were the calm, and he was the chaos. I, yeah, yeah, and like double, like it, yeah. just un, like and that is unusual. Yeah, and I just lost it because I've just walked in and he's dead, and like, I've gone like Greg. that to his friend. Oh. Why didn't you tell me he's dead? Do you know what he's I mean? Like, oh, I like, didn't know. And we've <laughs> just like, how do you know how many minutes to do it for? Does he eventually just like start like recovering? Or yeah, you've got to told us. Nelly, go for it all the So when the so when the ambulances come, it depends how long it takes the ambulance to come. You've got to keep doing it until the ambulance comes. Yeah. So if that takes you ten minutes, you have got to keep coming. Yeah, I was a carer, wasn't I? Yeah, it's very important to know it. Very important. You still don't know it. I don't know. It's very important to know it, Sean. Did you learn it on that doll? Yeah, uh, the, they're I rubber doll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. they feel weird though. So there was a story about an ice ice pit coming up, wasn't there? All right, yeah. So we just talk, <laughs> we just talked about the car park. So I told you we had that big car park, All right? So what I forgot to say on that big car park, and I said there's a small one. Well, the pub landlord owned the small one, so when we took over the big one, he thought he could come over and say to Marvin, "I'm taking a percentage of what you make." <laughs> Who's that? To me. Excuse me. Excuse me. So they've got into it and he's ripped this um, metal, you know, the railings. He's ripped a metal railing. one of the big iron railings off and chased the landlord. Because the landlord's come over to him and he's poked him and went, well, was, I want a percentage. No, he poked me in the face and oh, it hit my, like, it went to poke me in the face and I felt dead demeaned, you know, if someone pokes you in the face. I went enraged. So he pulled the railing got off. Got a big metal spike off the railing and chased him into his pub. He jumped like, behind the... Um, Counter all, all yeah. his customers is he, in there. Yeah, like, he went to stab him in the eye and I was like, okay, Marvin, this is going too far. <laughs> yeah. Just leave him. And he was like, you're not getting your fucking percentage now, are you? But to be fair though, the car park, the police come to me and said, look, you know, it's, it's the right thing what you're doing, you know, we can't fault you what you're doing, doing it voluntary, like letting <laughs> members of the public go on the car park. <laughs> but just, you've got to prove that it's not owned by anyone. So we literally print, paid to go onto the land. You've got to pay to go on the land registry. So we had to pay to register and go on it. <laughs> and then prove that it was ours. Well, well, it was, was, was yours for the time being, wasn't <laughs> it? Well, back down after that. He yeah. did, he did back down, yeah. yeah. But he was a very, he's a very dangerous man. Don't oh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's not. Like he's a very, he's, very yeah. dangerous man. He could have like he's sent not it all tipped it all before yeah. me. Do you know what I mean? He could have like brought. He's got a lot all the city trouble. fans in his pub on match days, and it's packed, packed, packed. So we, so we could have got, got rushed. He's got power. You know what I mean, John? Yeah. And like, but like I just, he had just a name from. Well, still does, but he had a big name for himself back yeah, in the day. Yeah, yeah. So but yeah, he was in raid, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, the police come to a flat, didn't they, and said to us like, you know, like. Chill out, didn't they? Yeah, with the car park. With the car park. You know <laughs> what I mean? don't know what talking about. Guys, yeah. would you chill out with the car park? Yeah, yeah. Just like, I, was, down now. I was just doing it to help the community. <laughs> <laughs> just so the cars won't get damaged. Yeah. <laughs> and that's talking about your soothing side next. <laughs> yeah, my nice soothing side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> soothing. <laughs> Anything but, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, you're the car man, must stop. What? Tell him what happens if someone comes up and says, there's Mad Marv. Oh, oh, that pisses me off. You know, when we first used to get together, even now, they'd go, oh, there's Hitman Marv. And like I said before, I don't care who you are. I used to go, 
don't call him that. He's not mad and he's got oh, it's mad mad. But because I'd never seen that side to him, I used to think, why are you trying to demean him? Yeah. And you'd be, and then the more you get told of stories in jail, it makes sense like why he's getting called that. But it used to really annoy me. Like you've got like proper members of firms, like, you know, he was works for in prison coming up to us in the city centre going, Yes, mad mob, yes, hitman. And I'd be stood there enraged, like who are you talking to? And like, he'd be like, babe, she, like, you don't know who these people are. Like, calm it down. <laughs> you jump out the car and give a woman <laughs> yeah, a slap Yeah, give you like a that. slap. Don't care, but you used know to enrage Some men are like that. Because I always see the soft side to him at home. Yeah, yeah. she'd see my good side, you know what I mean? But he yeah. wasn't always doing hits, though, was it? He was even selling furniture. I used to sell furniture in prison. Down by yeah. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah I used to sell furniture. What Honest, type? Honestly. So you get, in your cell, you'll get a cupboard, a locker, and a, like a small little chest of draw thing, yeah. Got two pieces, three pieces of furniture. And them two pieces of furniture are so valuable because you can use them as barricades because the doors swing both ways so they can come in and out. You can put a, you can make a barricade with the two cupboards and put it under the under the lock because it's straight that way. So if they locked under, they lock it in so they can't pull it or push it. So all the drug dealers and all the people who had mobile phones used to say to me, Marv, Get us some furniture. So I'd be going around to people. Do you want to sell your furniture? Do you want to sell your furniture? And you go in the selling and be loads of people with just all the clothes piled up on the floor who've sold the furniture. Sounds embarrassing that though now, don't it? You know, everything's valuable in prison, isn't it? I mean, how much tobacco did you get for that? You'd get lots of bits for it, you know. It depends how much the person wanted it, isn't it? Yeah. It started becoming dead scarce because what was happening, he was getting raided and the security would take the furniture, knowing that he's got extra furniture to take it. So there was less and less furniture on the week, so it was becoming more and more valuable. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like doing bids for furniture. Like, it's like eBay. Yeah. <laughs> Auction doing house. well, yeah. Doing really well selling oh. furniture. So though, yeah. one of your stories is his souvenir side. It's something to do with a bath and new clothes. Of oh, my souvenir side when I used to have to. Oh, your souvenir side. <clears throat> yeah. Do you have one? <laughs> now, Jen, you know I have a serious <laughs> Yeah, like when he used to get off for days and like yeah. he'd get like hallucinated through crack. Like, because I'd have crack four, psychosis, yeah, was, so they'd been up for four and five yeah, days, was, do you know what I mean? And I'd not slept, I'm just like uh, using the cocaine to keep me going, you know, like as a fuel. And then when it's running out, then you start falling asleep and stuff and getting drowsy. I had a lot of people who'd give me money in the city centre, didn't I? Have you told them, like, you used to chase me all around town, people were giving me money in I'm shops? I'm going to put you back out of this room. Anyway, time's on Yeah, so because he used to get crack psychosis and be out for, like, days on time, yeah. like, he wouldn't eat, he'd have sore feet, come on, gone. And then when he'd come down, he'd phone me and he'd be like, babe, I'm sorry. Every time he'd say, just come on, man. Like, yeah. obviously, I'd shout at him, just come on. I'd have the bathroom for him, something would be in the oven. Yeah. He'd have fresh clothes out, the bed would be freshly made. Yeah. So I'd put him in the bath. I'd have Because she like, knew I was leaving down. to smoke crap. Yeah. I'm not going to smoke it round her. I don't want to give her, I don't want to introduce it to her. Do you know what I mean? I knew I had an addiction. Like I say, I had no family to tell me to stop. And no one, no one ever sat me down and said, you need to stop this. It's incredible, that, isn't it? Mm. But that's when he used to have his break. So, like, I'd bath him. Like, yeah. he'd cry. I'd soothe him. And, and, like, he'd say, like, I don't want to live anymore. I'd be like, it's not your fault. You're ill. Like, it's it's an illness. I don't think it's an illness. And then he'd I think eat. it's a self-inflicted. 
Yeah, it can be an illness though. It can be. You're a product of something like you didn't wake up one day and decide, you know, you've got this happy Yeah, use it as a tool. Yeah, that's what we were saying before. That was your mask. Self-medication though, isn't it, for trauma? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for, that's, yeah that's what I'm getting yeah. at. So then he'd have a bath and like, force him to have something to eat because you're not really hungry. And then also lie in bed soothing him, you know. So he'd mm. sleep and sleep. And if, whether he slept for a day or even a few hours, he'd have fresh clothes. It'd be, babe, I'm going out. I know where he's going, but you're fed now. You're, you're washed, you're clothed. Yeah. And, you know, you're mentally, you're back on it. So... You know, you're going to go out and do a graft. You're going to be a bit aware about yourself. So I know maybe tonight you're not going to go to a police station because your mind's back on it. You know, you've had that refresher. Yeah. Do you believe that children who are a product of addicts automatically have an addiction? No. I don't, no. No, I don't I believe that. that. No. No, I, I don't believe that. No. I know people that have been brought up by addicts that... I never go near Then go the opposite but... way where that answer it i just I, it depends some people call it genetic you know it's genetics in it yeah. so i think that's going to be a mystery for many years but you can or i think some people can blame it like oh i grew up watching my parents do it that's why i'm an alcoholic but is that their way of dealing with growing up as an alcoholic you copy the cycle of your parents sometimes don't you mm. that's why you've got a bit you always say it when around telling like you've got to watch what you do around your children because like a mirror image sponges. so the yeah the sponges, sponges yeah. so maybe like they don't intentionally you know become alcoholics but because you know if that's what they're watching you know day in day out then 99% of people you're a yeah. product to your environment mm. you're, what you're around aren't you yeah. I think mm. yeah Definitely. I mean, if I was around, like like my mum thought, I was going to two doctors and being brought up by two doctors you could have been in a beautiful, obviously, you know, detached house and like going to a really bright, good school with good people in the school and role models, that was very yeah. important. I mean, when I was growing up, the only role models we had is like the, the local post office robber or the local... That's what I mean. You, you know what I mean? Drug, watched, drug dealer, yeah. you know, or... The, obviously, there's a lot of people who've got their own... Like, work for themselves and stuff and they do well but the people who always get the fast money and yeah because that's what you grow a up quick turnover of cars and stuff mm. like that they're the drug dealers mm. tend to be out there do you know yeah. what i mean cool. and that's it's no it's, you know you can't you can't be blamed for that no no oh so i'm all familiar with this one time i gave out your number and you had a gangster threatening Oh, I think give my number out and oh, yeah, I thought yeah. it was no, 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 by mistake, by I'd mistake, I'd rung a guy one on my phone and didn't, you know, withheld it. And oh. um, I owed him money, money, yeah, he owed him money. He was on his toes. I get a phone call one day, like, not many people have got my number, they're gonna shoot me, they're gonna shoot my house up, they know where I live. I'm like. Fuck you, like it's like Marvin owes me money. I'm such a person. Heard the name of thought, oh yeah, right. This could actually happen. So he oh sorry. He wouldn't when he's out, his phone goes off. Like she you can't contact him. So I'm having to go to sex shops in town where he's where his friend owns it and say it like go in and get money. Has he been in here today? I crack houses, other shops, like his mate used to own clothing shops, and say, what is going on? Can I go home? Is my house going to get shot up? Am I going to get shot? It, oh, it was madness. And yeah. how did that end? I, he caught me on yeah, the street and 
battered me with a brick. Yeah, so that's how it ends, yeah. <laughs> Slow that down a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he caught him coming back to mine one night and smashed him over the head with a brick. That's a surprise. Blindsided you? Yeah, yeah blindsided just him. Just started launching with this brick at me, like hitting me with this brick on my head and on my Early hours in the morning. You've had a lot stuff. of head injuries, haven't you? Yeah, I've had a yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, one bad one, I got hit off a, a, a landlord of a, a hotel owner. And he whacked me over the head with a baseball bat and that. I'm sure it fractured my skull because I was Ooh, getting this bleach. That, is that where that big scar is? Yeah, the one big scar. I've got a number of big scars on me. Don't talk about that big yeah, line. the one. big line one. Yeah, big it was line. bleaching my brain. You know, like <laughs> you feel the blood. You like you feel it bleed, you know, like and I was feeling this bleed and oh I was getting goodness. these blackouts and stuff. But like I say, it was very rare to go to the hospital. Me, I wouldn't want to go to the hospital, you know what I mean? It's like an emergency service. I was looking at it like ambulance, police, Yeah, fire all service. connected together. Yeah, they're all connected together. So I'd try and avoid going to mm. get wounds sorted out, wouldn't I? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I avoid when the police dog chewed my crush, my knee, and I had that Passed ragging me everywhere. Yourself, didn't you? I was a bit of germaline. German bandage, bandage in it, you know, <laughs> trying to fix it myself because I didn't want to like my. When it really needed a number of stitches. Yeah, it needed a number. A few of them needed stitches, the injuries, <laughs> didn't they? Have you learnt your lesson now? Yeah, I'm very yeah, good. We'll go to the hospital if yeah. anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he goes oh, yeah. to all his hospital appointments now. Yeah, I've got good. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're never allowing you to graph, rob or steal or getting you arrested except that one time with the stolen phone. Yeah, that was a bit of a crazy day, that one. Yeah, because yeah, like I said before, we never grafted together. He would always stay me away from crime. Like when I started like shoplifting, like the cheek of the man used to have a go at me going, you know, you're committing crime, you're going to go to jail. I got mad at her for committing crime. I didn't ever want her to commit crime, do you know what I mean? But she would sometimes have to do it out of necessity, yeah, you know? to mm. feed yourself. Because he used to say to yeah. me, like, women's prison is totally different to yeah. a men's prison. It is, and there's a lot more predators in women's prisons. Yeah. We've you know heard I mean? from the Holly podcast. Yeah, yeah. so that's why he used predators. to, you know, deter me for crime. But then one day we was in the, the city centre and he's just like seen an opportunity like open car got in it like i wasn't with him when he did it i waited yeah, around I the corner for him Jack, i went and did it but unfortunately i mean if it was us that was on the cctv i mean it looked like us you yeah. know it wasn't. It was just. Yeah. It wasn't good, us, no, it wasn't yeah so we're at home um no, no, what's we happening? Still, we was out still, and we've gone to. Um, we was out anyway, and the police have come and like started questioning him, and I've kind of like backed away and went to my. I'm going to the shop for a drink. Yeah, I'll see you in a bit, and then. So luckily for me, I had a, I had my own phone. phone. So when they've got him, they thought, oh, thanks to right we've now, got it. but we've it was got his what we was phone. Looking for, <laughs> and I sneakily passed the other one to her, the one what they was looking for. So That's being why trapped. I got off. But we didn't trapped. turn the tracker off. No, it was, Ru we didn't turn move. it off, yeah. yeah we didn't rookie turn the move. phone off. So oh, it was a rookie man. move we did. Yeah. So they knew it was in, it was pinpointed So somewhere. she went crazy for me passing her this stolen yeah, phone. She went round the corner and launched, launched it in some yeah, and then when the got when the police let me go because they realised the phone I went they ballistic. had, she went. But then we've gone way. home. That's like, what I mean. I started becoming like a bit feeling it in my heart. I kept feeling the consequences. Yeah. Like I was thinking, 
so much drama someone taking your phone, do you know what I mean? And I'm just going to go and sell it for a bit of money. My I mind think it was, was more changed. drama because you got me involved because, like, yeah, we went home it. that so night good. and we're just sat there. Boom, my front door comes off. Yeah. Boom, my back door comes off. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, what are you wrestling for now? <laughs> and he had this team on him called Spotlight and one of them didn't like me. They went, you're getting neck care or stand-up. And I was like, all right, mate. <laughs> Thinking he was there. joking. Joking. And he was like, get up. Because in all the times he'd come through the door, he'd never, never got arrested. I was like, bar. you're yeah. going to put cuffs on me for what? So he'd go in through my wardrobe. I was like, yeah, what are you going to wardrobe for? He was like, you didn't have them clothes on today, was says who? So yeah. they've had to like manhandle me out the house. I'm giving it to him. Fuck me, fucking arrested. Going absolutely ballistic. He's in one van. I'm in another. I'm yeah. screaming. All sorts of shit at him. Like, yeah. in all these years, like, you're clean and I'm getting locked up. Yeah. Brought like me to the, clean. you know, brings me to the police station, me being <sighs> cocker. I oh, just put me in my cell. He's screaming, you're all right. I'm giving it to the police. Fucking move me away from him. He's annoying. <laughs> like, we're proper <laughs> arguing through, you know, the cells. He had to <sighs> separate us. But yeah, we went into the interview and they, you know, they realised it wasn't us. It wasn't us. No, it wasn't us. No charges brought against us. Yeah. But yeah, that was the one, one and only incident, wasn't it? time I got arrested. For you. For you. <laughs> so sorry about that. <laughs> so you've said numerous times. <laughs> so talking about police coming through the door, uh, the raid, when the police were outside and I was looking for my massive parcel oh and getting naked. Oh my gosh, what's that? You ended story? up finding and giving it to a local drug dealer, taker, who lived a on our block. user, yeah. I'm going to tell a story. You sister, tell a story. You are going to find a story hilarious. So he's been gone for days. He's come home. I can tell he's highly cracked up. Well, this is like highly unusual that he comes. He comes when he comes down, but no, while he's highly cracked. Yeah. And what had happened is he was on a tag and they did take the mitt with him. They put him on a tag and he was allowed out from two o'clock in the morning, but he had to be home at two o'clock in the afternoon. How are you giving a drug addict? A, a, it's a tag that was, it was Crazy, never unheard of. Two, 2 p.m. in the morning, I could go out the house. And I had to be home for 2 p.m. in the afternoon. 2 a.m. 2 p.m., yeah. yeah. So it's like... They I thought it was like, a, like it is, seven, 11 till 7. Yeah, yeah it like is. That. But what they wanted him to do was go out and commit crime. Yeah. They're baiting you. Yeah, yeah baiting him. Yeah. Honey trapping. Yeah. yeah. So he breached yeah. it and he didn't come home. And obviously you've got the box there and you can't breach it. Yeah. So he's in... I'm like, what are you looking for? Because I'd been out that day. And he was like, me fucking parcel. And at first he tried to tell me it was a weed parcel. And I was like, it you're not going this crazy for weed. You can get <laughs> weed when you go to jail. So it's a crack parcel. You thought fucking cracking my house. But the police are knocking on my door, but I'm watching the TV. He's looking for his parcel. Cause I thought, oh, they, they won't come in. They won't come in. Next minute, I hear a drill. So I said to him, they're not taking my door off again. I'm going to get evicted. They're, they're coming in because you've breached it. You go into jail anyway, Marv. Yeah. I'm fucking going nowhere. I'm going nowhere. They're taking me tagger there. Cuts his tag off. Stripped Stripped himself. Absolute naked. Opens the door like this madman. Launch goes, oh, I'm getting breached from me tag. Have me fucking tag. They're all like that. Marv, calm down. My neighbours are out. He's naked. I am mortified. He's still screaming about this in parcel. Because that's what I was fuming right, about. But he's I've going to me. this big you parcel. You did it. You did it. I know you <laughs> fuck it off me. I'm like, I've just come through the door 
Yeah. Like not long before the police has got here. I literally didn't know where this parcel was. Yeah. They took about eight of them to absolute naked. All the neighbours was out looking at me. <laughs> I've shut the door. And what he's, I don't know what he was doing in the bathroom, mm. but he's put it behind these bottles of shampoo. That's lost oh, that was it. the one you went about yesterday. Yeah, I lost it, didn't like, I? Yeah. But it was a massive <laughs> parcel. So what had happened is I'd gone to stay at my friend's um, the next day and I got the you had woman. To go, you had to go to the recorder of Manchester to try and get beg me freedom, didn't you? For yes, that? I did, yes. The, the head judge of Manchester. Oh, Judge yeah. Gilbert. But anyway, yeah, I ended up finding it and there was a woman, she used to watch my dog, you know, when he used to go to work. And I just said to her, yeah, I'm asking this parcel. So I phoned her one it. day and I went, that parcel there, she's gone, no, I've given it away. I was like, what? Can you give that up? I was like, yeah, you don't need it. I she don't know what was it. Well, let me tell you something. It was, it was a valuable drug parcel. I didn't know what was in it. I opened the parcel. All oh, right, then, yeah. So I bet your neighbour was happy. Oh, oh the yeah, neighbour was, was over the moon. I was going to flush it. The neighbour was over the moon. He was fuming. Yeah. He was fuming when he found out what was in it. Yeah, but you had to beg the drug recorder of Manchester for my freedom, didn't you, on a regular basis? Oh, you keep going. So it's your perspective, I guess, of going through the adoption process with Marv and the massive effort my mum's death certificate had on me. So mm. is it, so this is your one. I've, how I'm it sure affected me. How it yeah. affected you. Yeah, yeah. it was that. Mm. Because yeah. she went through a lot with it. Didn't you? Yeah. yeah from, so your perspective. Yeah, that was a tough time. So take it back years ago. He wanted, he wanted to find his royal family. I say it's like, it's not fair, like, you're on drugs. And I did go behind his back and speak to after adoption and say, what about if I found his family and broke it? And he was like, you can't do that. Like, it could tip him over the edge. Like, he's on drugs. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to us. So, obviously, he was still, you know, taking his drugs, going in and out of jail. And then when he got clean... He was, he was like, right, yeah, let's give it, like, a shot. Like, mm. you're worthy. You've always been worthy, but you're worthy now. You're clean. You know, you're healthy. You you know, we've been in a committed relationship. Yeah. Like, you know, let's do it. Let's let's go for I it. Know, and just I wanted him see. to be proud of me, my family, yeah. if I ever met them, that I've actually made my, my yeah. life change. You know, I wasn't just this, this, this drug addict and a worthless member of society, how I felt, I knew that I had a partner and I'd been clean. So then I was ready to go and find him that way, do you know what yeah. I mean? So we said, right, you know, let's do it. But I don't know if people understand how the adoption process goes. It's not, you don't just walk in there and go, oh, can I have my adoption file? All oh, right, yeah, I found my family. You have to go through intense counselling with these people. Yeah. Like, mm months and months and months yeah. and I went to like every session Everyone. with him every single him, one I was telling him about the woman kept saying he's not an happy yeah, ender at the end of the rainbow did yeah, you get the hints on that yeah, one yeah that comes yeah towards the end I kind of knew and what happened I got then I was getting regretful that we'd actually done it selfish of me because I thought even though he's never relapsed and I never thought before that I thought could this drive him to the brink to where I've got nothing to lose now I got clean I've done everything I'm, I've still not got my mum so what have I done it for she thought I was going to just and I was all. getting on it like I didn't know that was that's what she was thinking yeah. she, she's losing it herself thinking so, this yeah. news is going to be bad you know what I mean because like, I wasn't listening 
you don't know DJ. It's not always an happy ending at the end of the rainbow. It's like I just listen past it. Yeah, he just wants to know like the details, like so. But I was listening to the finer details. He was Mm. just maybe hearing what he wanted to hear. Yeah, that's what I was doing. And when Mm. she said that, I I just knew, and like my heart broke. And like he said to me, like you you know you're down. Like you're not happy. Like she not want me to find my family. I was like. Of course I'm happy. It's just, you know, it's going to be a big change. We've gone from just me and you and, like, my little family now, you know, like, and I think kind of think he thought I was being selfish, like, what, you just want to keep me to myself. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking... What news is Yeah, if his mum's passed away, well, he's got no family because I wasn't seeing that, you know, maybe her family then would have got to know him. I didn't know, like, it worked like that. And when they said, like, we found your mum, I just remember, like, pitting my stomach but like thinking please like when it says a happy ending maybe that she's moved on or you know something like that so she was alive kind of thing and when we walked in there and she said look like I've got something to tell you you know there's your mum's death certificate like like I've got hairs on my arms now and I just looked at him and literally my heart broke mm. into so many pieces because from that moment then our lives was going to change at home and between us. So then I'm watching every little thing he's doing. Is he getting itchy because he wants to go and have a smoke? Where are you going when you're going out? And then it got to the point where he wouldn't even speak to me. He'd sit in the bathroom. I'd be begging him to speak to me. He'd just be laying in bed in a ball and like, I was so confused because like, I know you, but you know, let me in. And about f- 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 months, it just, it caused me to then just want to stay out of the house, go partying with my friends. Cause it was like, this is it. Like, like this is the, it, you, you don't want me because you know, you haven't got your mum. And then <clears throat> when they said the funding, like they couldn't do the funding. I'd said to him, don't give up. You know, if this is what you want, you've got family out there. You've never give up. Like, you're still here now with as much as, you know, you've been shot, you've been stabbed, you've been on crack for 20 plus years. You've come out of all that. You've got nothing to lose. Just go for it. And I think he just, he'd stayed up one night. I wasn't at home. I'd been at my friends. I just thought, you know, digest this, you know, see if I'm right. And I said to him, the letter's there. Like, just say to him, look, you can't do this to me. I've been fighting this case since I was in jail, since before I met Kara. I'm clean. I'm doing everything the system's asking me to do. You've just got to give me this chance, take this chance on me. And when I come home, he went to me. I was like, well, where's this spark come back from? He was like, they're going to fund me, they're going to fund me. And I was like, see, you had nothing to lose. Now let's see where we go from there. Then you can... You know, you've not got your mum, but we can find out about your mum. Like, you haven't got pictures of your mum. We can see, do you look like your mum? You know, you can, you'll feel that connection. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Here's a word from our sponsor, Harry's. Having such a scratchy face, I'm always delighted to get a new Harry's set. There's a foaming gel, hydrating night lotion, and the razor with the weighted handle really gets the job done. The trimmer blade makes it so easy to get into those tricky places to reach. The shave gel offers effective lubrication and just comes off like butter. It's such a smooth shave. It shaves fast, efficiently, no discomfort, 
and it is so smooth at, by the end. The hydrating night lotion is light and non-greasy. Harry's is doing a zero pounds trial. Start shaving with the products, just pay for delivery. Save every time. Save on all your shaving products without sacrificing quality. You're in control. You can modify or cancel your plan from the account page. Make sure to support our podcast and start your own skincare journey by redeeming a free Harry's trial set. All you cover is £3.95 for delivery. Just head to harrys.com forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N, and have your trial set delivered to your door. That's harrys.com forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N. Thank you for supporting our sponsor. Okay, you're not going to see your mum in person, but you can actually go and visit her and see if you still feel that connection that you've always said, that you've always felt with your mum. Yeah. And in the end... I was right, but then he had to go back for counselling for that. So that wasn't just a case of, like, let's pick up the phone, we phone his sis, you know, his auntie or his cousin. Then he's got to go for counselling for that. Then he's got to send off his debts to them to make sure he's not committed no sexual or violent crimes. I mean, they could have just looked at his shoplifting offences and gone, no, we don't want to know him. Yeah, mm, we, yeah. we don't want to know him. Even for one shoplifting offence, he could have done 30 years ago. But, you know, they didn't. Um, you know, when we walked back in there that day and they had, you know, this letter off her and I was like, she writes like you. And they had like these so black girl. and white photos. And like... Because the only photos he ever had in my adoption file was just this black and white picture. And you just it couldn't just make two them shadows. Out. You couldn't see any, you couldn't see the age, the faces, what they looked like, nothing. You're just two black and white shadows, you know, because it was photocopied, the original picture. Had been a photocopy of a photocopy, and it just in the end it was nothing. Yeah, was there. so she ripped two yeah. black butch splodges on a picture. Yeah, on you it. just couldn't make it out. Couldn't make them out. And so. then she ripped you. You know, like Marvin loves to write Victoria. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> talking about three weeks but just to put to one yeah. sentence together. Yeah, so I couldn't write. I and kept I said writing to him, it and erasing "You're overthinking it. Just say hi, like I'm Lee Marvin, but no one calls me Lee. Everyone's called me after my mum." You know, I've realised Because my birth mum called me Marvin, yeah. which is brilliant, in it? And yeah. it stayed with him, yeah. yeah. So cool, that. All the other people calls him Lee. You know he's in trouble if he's getting called Lee. Yeah. It's, it's only the official. The judges, the solicitors, or the police, it's official. Yeah. It's yeah. official. Yeah. But by the time the police was coming in my house, they wouldn't ask for Lee. Because yeah. I never, I'd go, he's They Lee. all knew it was part I'm not with no one called Lee. <laughs> yeah, so I got, it, they give me a, a criminal ASBO. Have you ever heard of an ASBO? Remember yep. the ASBO orders? So mm. I don't know what, like other people from other countries what know what they are. Um, Anti-social yeah. orders. <clears throat> yeah, so it's like it a... Anti-social behaviour, is it? Uh, yeah, yeah, so it's uh, like uh, order. It's a criminal anti-social behaviour order. order. That's what so I got. So it's for the most prolific offenders. Yeah, because you get banned from areas. Yeah, he so, got yeah. banned from the Manchester City Centre. He got banned from car parks. He, was, he got banned from car park. Yeah. He couldn't have his foot on the car park. Yeah, the, the Crasbo was off I couldn't the touch cars either, could I? No, you weren't, no. I couldn't no. touch a car. I couldn't get in a passenger seat of a car. I, couldn't, I wasn't allowed in a car no, except for taxi. How did you get around? I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't. He got the city it. centre one banned because obviously he lived. I lived 10 in the minutes, city centre, so they couldn't ban me from my own estate. They banned him from all the shops on one day. He's just looked in the shop. Yeah. I don't think his big toe was in the I shop. I looked in the shop. Swarmed him, nicked him. Yeah. No. You he was, was following me in the, the shop. He was following me down the main thoroughfare, Market Street in Manchester. 
we was under surveillance. We're walking down. I've put my foot in a shot. Yeah. I forgot. I just went to walk in. You know, like I'm talking to him. I just went to walk in the shot. Stepped in for no, yeah, I'm in the shop. Over the and the police just come out the woodwork, about like 12 <laughs> of them. Swarming around Like 12 you. of them, yeah. And <sighs> took yeah. me, yeah. But when you went to the police station, the sergeant was like, no, we're not keeping him here for this. Yeah. Like, he's not gone in and done anything. Yeah, they weren't having it. So you're banned from all the shops, but you could walk through the centre. At yeah. first, he couldn't. Yeah, and then they'd be like, he had me, to go in front of the judge. Because I was, I had to go back and amend the order. To get me allowed to go into town after adoption, as and well. then I was allowed to go to through the city centre just to my adoption appointments. So I think one day we was walking through, weren't we? And I stepped in a trainer shop, and it was like, yeah. "That's You've it." You've gone, oh, do you like them? The police just oh, come yeah, out and up. went, <laughs> 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 picked me up on all fours. Yeah, all fours. <laughs> yeah, but I never used to really have a big problem fighting the police or anything like that, did I? The one time they said I bit him through a bulletproof vest, uh, yeah. I got convicted. And the time where you stripped naked. Yeah, well, that's. Do you know what matter. it is? You don't remember. No, no, I got convicted <laughs> for assaulting a police officer. And his evidence was he bit me through a bulletproof vest, causing minor injuries. How was I biting someone through a bulletproof vest? And it was marking this up. Do you remember arm. when Blackberries first come out? Yes, this is one of your stories, isn't it? This video circulated. I just, just missed him. Missed him by this. She was club. out hunting for him. Because I was out hunting for him. Our response had come through his cousin's house for him. She phoned me. Yeah. I was him, at his niece's. In like, I'm response looking for me. So that set all the family off looking yeah. for me. So, you then, know what I mean? so I'm looking for him. Oh, me and next minute I'm getting this ping on and I'm thinking, is that Marvin on Collier's? I've just been there. And everyone's like, oh, look, look what the police are doing to him. Oh my God, I was so embarrassed. But you can see on the video, he just like, they're having a, you know, We're a having tussle. having a scuffle on the floor because and he's called for backup because he jumped backup, out of his car on his but own. said that he's bit him through a bulletproof vest <laughs> and, like, he's marked. And I was like, you can clearly see on the video. I had to go guilty. He had to go guilty for it. Guilty on it. Because you couldn't prove he on the video it. where he, said he, he did can't, You can't lie. He's the, the police officer that I injured him and I bit him through a bulletproof vest and we just had to go guilty, didn't I? Yeah. Sure. What did you get for that? I must have some sharp teeth, you know. Sharp teeth, remember. I'm Jaws out of um, James Bond. I'm Jaws out of James Bond. Oh. <laughs> oh, this is going to be quite tough. The brain tumour diagnosis. Yeah, that was very tough. When he come out that, that day in the hospital, that makes me sad this. When he come out that day in the hospital, like I said to you before, and he told me that he had a brain tumour, and I said before, didn't I? All the shit we'd done, we'd done the jail numerous times. We'd done me getting attacked, me getting grouped, everything. Like, everything. Like, we've only ever had each other's backs. Like, we've only ever had each other to look out for each other. We've never had a person to rely on. Sure, you can go to a person and say, but you know they've not got your back 100%, but we, even to this day, like, me, him and our little boy, we're a team. I'm like, so going through everything Talk that we... Talk about him, I've got to go, guys. Gone. Do you mind if I no. jump off and go and check on the baby? Yeah, yeah go yeah, for it. Fine. Yeah, 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 fine. Yeah, just, just, keep, just keep going, Kira. Yeah, so everything, like, we'd been through, when you hear tumour... Like I watched, don't forget, I watched my little brother go through it, go through cancer. Like, and the intense stuff that, you, you know, you go through. And when you hear tumour, you just automatically think, you know, you think death, don't you? And then they come out and say it's in his brain. So it's like, 
No, he's the strongest man I know. Like a bullet's not taking you out. Like no, you've you've not got a brain tumor, and I didn't believe it up until I seen it right in the front of his head, and it felt like my whole. No matter what I'd been through, this was the hardest. It felt like my whole world had collapsed. Like I'm gonna lose. Sorry. Huh. I'm gonna lose my best friend, and then when they said to me, "We like we need to put him on, like to man it on the, the end of life ward," I was like, "What are you talking about?" And like you know, I couldn't s stay with him, and like he said, he didn't like hospitals, so he'd stay up all night, and we'd be on the phone, and we'd be like, "You know, it'll be all right." And then he was getting these excruciating headaches. It was like it just all come at once, and then you know they was pumping him through morphine, and then the morphine was it actually makes your headaches worse. So, like, up at, even now, like, you know, he goes back every 12 months, you know, to see if it's, you know, he's got a neurosurgeon to see if it's it's grown. But you're always going to have that. All right, when we go back in October, you've got headaches again. Has it grown? If it grows, like, he, well, are they, will, he, will he operate? Will, but my question is, I don't know if Marvin would let them operate on him. Because obviously, you know, like like I said, like, you know, he doesn't like hospitals. But is it going to be, you know, that far on his brain to, you know, where they, they can't remove it? So it will always be, you know, a black, you know, black cloud over our heads. And, you know, he's got it and, it, you know, it's never going to go away. So, you know, I think that's why I, I do my baby and I look after him so much because, like, like I said, like next year, you know, could I be on my own? Like, you know, will it eventually turn into that? And then like, I'll lose him. And it's unfair, it is, it's, it's unfair, but like, it was a very hard time. Like he pushed me away. I think he was pushing me away because for the fact that, you know, he was ill and didn't want to like burden me because at the same time, my dad was, you know, my dad was coming to the end of his life. So, like, I was dealing with that, and that's all I kept thinking, like, I'm going to lose the two parts of my heart, my dad. Why is Marvin going to die? Why do I have to lose, you know, lose both? And it was, a, it it took us, it's even now, like, you know, sometimes we go through stages as, you know, we can't talk about it because, you know, I know he's scared, like, I'm scared, but, you know, we just have to take every day as it comes and just you know, pretend like it's not, it's not grown in so many years. So maybe it's not going to grow, but then he's got a Greek friend in town and it's amazing. This is what's given us hope. A few months last year, earlier before he had one and it grew rapidly and they operated and they took it out and you want to see him. Really? It looked better than he did before. <laughs> and he's got 20 years on Marvin. So he's much older so once Stephen, like, we, you know, he was recovered within six weeks. Like, God. it's now giving me hope that, you know, if it grows, yeah, they can operate and, you know, it might not be cancerous, but you've just got to live, like, every day as it comes, especially now because we've got the baby. You know, you could just waste them years thinking it's it's going to happen and it might never happen. Yeah, because it's, mm. like you said, it stayed the same so yeah, it's quite a while now. Yeah, and it's, it's benign been, as well. Yeah, it's benign for now. Yeah, it mm. can turn cancer. Oh, like I said, it might not. No. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know where to move on from that. One. Yeah, it's terrifying, isn't it? Well, Constantly thinking something could happen. Ah, <clears throat> uh, twenty-four. Marvin being yet again addicted to spice. That well, that was crazy. Marvin got addicted to spicing on his last sentence. Yeah, he got addicted to spice. It was legal then. I didn't know about it. Wasn't even in Manchester City Centre then. No one in it. And um, he said to me in jail, not going back on the crack. It's like, yeah, no, I've heard it all before, man. It's like, no, I found this thing. It's legal. It's legal, so I won't get arrested. I don't need to go out grafting for it. It's synthetic cannabis. So I was like, what? So, like he said, yeah, so we had a date for, you know, when he was getting out. So he said, there's this shop, go and get me some. So I'm thinking, what is it? Like, you know, what is it? <laughs> My, no one, no wonder they, 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 it's not legal anymore. When you go through Manchester City Centre and they're dropping like flies and zombies, absolutely disgusting. I've, I don't think I've ever seen a dr worse drug. No. He'd, he'd be sitting there, stinks as well. He's just stink of piss. He'd be sitting there mid conversation, and the next minute he'd be gouching and fall on the floor. Honestly, and he'd have these mad sweats. He still does to this day because it affects you after run. But it'd be like someone who threw a bucket of water over him. Just like, you should pump sweat, like hallucinate. I remember we took him out for his birthday. Him and my older brother had like a giant meal thing in this posh restaurant. And he, I smoked it too quick and like he was stumbling everywhere. And like he fell over this curb. And I said to him, I'm putting you in a taxi and you're going home. And I remember him ringing me, like screaming off his head going, I don't know where I am, I don't know where I am. Having to rush, like me rush home to like what's going on. Like he do like mad things, like jump off like furniture, like think he was Spider-Man and stuff like that. I, oh, it was absolutely, it was, it was literally, I phoned an ambulance three times on him and they would not take you in because it was becoming like, you know, more and more apparent about the spice. Because he was going into Manchester City Centre to like the people that he used to smoke with and say, nah, don't smoke crack, get on this, get on this. So then the shops in Manchester City Centre started selling it like he's, he beats himself up for it, you know, because a lot of people got on it. But I, I say to him like, it would have, you know, it would have spread anyway. Yeah. But apparently the sweating and stuff is because it cooks your insides. It literally cooks your insides. What is in spice? Chemicals, rat poisons. Marvin used to go to the man and watch him make it. Marvin used to be the tester, the guinea pig. He'd say, yeah, I'll test this. Right, you can have that for free. Let me know what it's like. And they go back, he'd go, that black mamba. Yeah, that one's stronger. And he'd go back and he'd go back. Why would anyone want to take a drug that makes you he like was, that? You know when you get one of them reptile shops with all the creepy animals? He was making it in the back of them. But these were like Russian like gangsters that was making it. So they were probably using all sorts of yeah. poisons. Yeah, i tell you what, I tried um, the legal cocaine once. Oh, how did that go down? I just kept ringing a taxi and every time they went to where you going, I kept going, I'm going on an adventure with my backpack. That's all I kept saying. <laughs> took it about five. He didn't know. <laughs> I bought it in Manchester City Centre, me and my friend. It took about five days for it to go out of the system. I literally thought I was dying. Ew, oh. them well, they're not legal no more. No. Oh, horrendous. You could, you could get a Glastonbury, like, there was a stool with all different kinds of legal high. I think I did, like, legal speed, legal ecstasy, 
all that and yeah none of it no was you just wonder now what's in it though from when the yeah. ambulance says it cooks you and like you Cook, see much. what the ambulance <clears throat> said it cooks you cooks your insides that's why you sweat that's why like your gouch and stuff like that it's worse than heroin it's cheaper and that's why when you're going to the city center now I've never seen a city centre so worse. Like, you just got people, like, young people are just stumbling around, like, scratching themselves. And, you, you know, you feel so sorry for them. And you can tell the difference between whether they're, a, you know, a heroin addict or a spice addict because... How do what, you tell? Yeah. Because they, they jump around like... Like, have you ever watched the Gremlins? <laughs> they jump around like... The, like, when they smoke, it's like when you throw water at a Gremlin. They just... <laughs> yeah, it's quite scary. Shit. Yeah. I thought it was like, because you can get, uh, obviously, there's zombies, the slow, and then you get the... Um, yeah, they start off slow. The, they got the fast Yeah, ones. yeah. They start off slow, and then <laughs> when it starts hitting the brain, it's like, let's, we'll we'll go that way around. Let's not walk past them. And what, they're just in the middle of Manchester High Street or something? Yeah, they put security guards on McDonald's now because of them. What? <laughs> Did they get hungry on it? No, because you just all congregate outside. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. Like zombies, literally. Yeah, they just all congregate outside. And oh then start God. trying to fight the security guards for, like, for no reason. So now they've got bouncers and they've got a sign now where they're saying, like, certain people of an age and under the influence can't go in McDonald's past 10 o'clock oh, at space. night. <laughs> yeah, they're not allowed to go 10 o'clock at night. No. The zombies come out. Well, they come out at night, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I certainly uh, have no desire to try that. Um, wow. Have you ever tried it? So, spice, no. So, spice is manufactured in giant, like, Chinese chemical manufacturing plants now. It's wow. just it's spread all over the world. So, they f market it as, like, you know, synthetic weed. and Yeah, that's XC. what they call it, don't they? It's got nothing to do with weed, nothing. honestly. It's just I've done it, a combination of drugs. <laughs> They've been synthesized to try and out smart drug laws. And the generation of people who've tried them are just guinea pigs because they don't know what is going to happen in the long run on these people. Yeah. There's websites online you can still buy legal highs from. Yeah, there's loads. They still get drugs online. Black. Yeah, as, as soon as something's made illegal, they just come up with something else. They, they just change the formula slightly yeah. so it's legal. Because mm. then it got, takes a while for the law to come back in and then, yeah. then illegalise well, that. I remember MCAT, I, I, first time I tried it, it was over a sex shop counter, bought it. Nice. And poppers. Yeah, I'm having used to them legal, off. Isn't they? Is, he had a mate. He had a mate that runs a, um, a sex shop, Gizmo. He used to get all bits from Gizmo. Yeah, because they, they used to have all the legal highs there. So we just yeah. go go buy all sorts. We'd just be buying the legal highs. Everyone would think you'd be going in for um, filthy mags. <laughs> <laughs> Slip one in me filthy mag. Filthy mag. Oh, God, can you remember them, Roselle? <laughs> but, wow. Right, <laughs> moving on. Yeah, in America, the sex shop sold video head cleaner and you put it on a rag and breathed it. Wow. Yeah. That's, wow. That's worth it. You ever seen that movie Blue Velvet with Frank? No. Where he's like, going, he's like oh, right. You know, like looking at the woman, he's going, show me your. And he's going, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That sounds fun. Scary. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> See, I've always stayed away from those sort of drugs, right? I'm scared of them. <laughs> so you you never really been into drug taking? Cocaine. I went for a stage of, like, sniffing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, like, not pills and stuff. I don't know why I'm a bit scared of pills. And stuff, like, trips and stuff like that. But, yeah, cocaine. I've, like, I've done cocaine. That's the... 
smoke weed, but that's the only zone. Uh, probably the most common too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> moving on from drugs. Mm. Uh, quite a nice one. <laughs> Marvin finding his birth family. Oh, it was magical. Yeah, it was magical. <clears throat> I remember like when she said like she ripped to him and she wanted to see him and she wanted Marvin to write his criminal record. It's like watching a kid on Christmas morning. You know, the day that we was getting ready to go meet him. He was there like four hours early. Oh, it was amazing. And he was like, he's jumping about and he's like, oh, I hope they like Mary. And like, they was late. His auntie's late for everything because she's a businesswoman. And he was like, they're not going to show up. They're not going to show up. I'm like, we're doing tours around Dean's Gate. And I'm like, just calm down, you know. They're going to show up. And then the adoption woman phoned and she was like, they're here. And I was like, right, stay calm. Like, was he giddy like that? <laughs> yeah, he's like, like, you know. And then he's coming and it was, there was just, it was so natural. It's like, they'd known each other all like, it wasn't like, give us a hug. Can they just jumped up, you know, hugged him. Like, we won't talk about the man that was there because we got to that yesterday who thinks he's his dad. But yeah, and then when, like, we went for a meal with him and that, and then straight there, and then she bought train tickets for us to go to London, like, four days later, she was like, you're coming to London. And like, he'd never, we'd never been to London before. And he was like, oh my God, I'm going to like meet all these people. And like, we went, I think we spent like maybe a week or two weeks down there. It, But it was tough at the same time. Like he visited his mum's grave and mm. obviously he's sitting there and he's no talking about his mum, but he like, he's looking at these people thinking, oh my God, they're my blood. And like, I'm having to say to him, you know, just take it one step at a time. Like, you know how he can bounce because he's very, you know, hyperactive. But yeah, they just gelled and it, you know, we've been so many times since then. They talk online all the time. I mean, we used to go every Christmas, I think, up till lockdown. Like, yeah, we spend so, so his auntie adores him. Like she, she always says to him, I'm your mum, like, you know, because, mm. yeah, like, I'm your mum now, like, I promise Martha, you know, if I ever, you know, found you, I would look after you, so. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just lovely. I think the main thing is with Marvin is I think it would have hurt him if she had had more children, you know, after him. So I think he was quite pleased that she didn't, so to him, he really meant something to her. Like he wasn't just giving away and then like she, she moved, moved on, on a different up, family. Yeah. yeah, and even now, like he's up until like we seen him two weeks ago, he still finds out stories and sees pictures that he's never seen because it's like her whole life. So you can't just put it into two meetings. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's wonderful. I get on great with him. They love telling. Yeah. So they took to you. Oh, yeah, I think I spend more time with his auntie than he does. <laughs> we just sit in the kitchen, gabbing, and, like, she goes, right, we're going to the ponds for a swim, and or we go around shopping and stuff like that. Yeah, I get on really well with her. That's She's nice. very much like Marvin. She's eccentric. Can you see it? Yeah, yeah, you can see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can, you can definitely see it. That is nice. We have... Oh, God. I didn't know you had this. Living with bipolar. Yeah, yeah, I got diagnosed bipolar in 2014. Yeah, I knew so. Oh, there was something wrong with my mama life. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a normal kid. I used to get kicked out of school. Mum used to bring me back and forth to the doctors all the time. I got kicked out of school. I couldn't sit still. You know, they called me a naughty kid, but there was just certain things. Like I had to have a certain bobble or... And if you didn't have that certain bobble, I'd kick off or I could, like... 
I, I didn't understand my emotions and the more I didn't understand them, you know, and eventually, you know, they kicked me out of school for it and put me in, like, a school for, like, naughty children. And, like, my mum kept taking me to the back and forth to the doctors and they was, like, saying it was the hormones or the hormones. I think that's why maybe, like, I didn't have a sense of awareness when I met Mark, you know, because of my brain. And we was going back and forth and, um, in 2013, you know, I was 23 by then. I got a new doctor and straight away he said to me, he's been giving you diazepam. You, you shouldn't be having diazepam. As he was like, through depression, he was like, you're manic depressant. I was like, thank you. Thank you. I'm not mad. I am not mad. So he referred me to... Park House, which is a psychiatrist hospital. <coughs> Excuse me. That took a year waiting list. It's not easy. And then you have to go through appointments with him to see if it's not like, are you abusing alcohol? Are you abusing drugs? Is it your home life? And Yeri said, yeah, you've got bipolar type two. So everyone was sad about it, but I was more relieved. Like, okay. what's, the, what's the difference between type one and type two? Type one, it's your your more paranoid schizophrenia. Type two is I go through mania stages. It's like, you know what it's like? It's like the effects of cocaine. You're really high and then you go, boom. Really low. Yeah, you're really low. But the worst place to be is in the middle. What in the there? middle. So I could be having like a mad 20 minutes and then just crash. So you're in the middle. Like your brain doesn't know whether to go up or it doesn't know whether to go down. And how do you manage something like that? I'm on medication, so I started off at like 20 milligrams. I'm up to 300 milligrams on one of my medication. I've got to take that, take because what it is, it's just, it's just a part of my brain that's, you know, not wired right to, to other people's. And like, even my dad used to say it to me, like, you know, you're not weird, Kerry. You know, there's just something wrong with you. And when, you know, when we find out what's wrong with you, you know, it'll be okay, but obviously it hurt me. You just, you know, you you medicate it. I had a relapse when the baby was born. I got postnatal psychosis for it. Like, I couldn't breastfeed because the, when you're pregnant, the medication doesn't go to the baby, It but it comes through your milk. And then they have to monitor your medication because you, your hormones are everywhere when you have a baby anyway. And then when my, I had... Um, a mental health midwife as well as a normal midwife. You know, they had to check my bloods. You know, you you go through up-down medication. They're always trying to adjust it. And I got um, psychosis after having Talon. So I my medication has to be, you know, really upped and then keep going back and seeing my psychiatrist. And then I, I have a home. I, I still have a home psychiatrist that comes out to me now. That's like... Um, a support worker, and then I'm, I'm an outpatient for the psychiatric hospital. I've come close from being sectioned many times, especially when Marvin got diagnosed with brain tumour. And when my dad died, I begged him to section me, and they was going to put me in respite. And that day I found out I was pregnant. So, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, they was going to they was gonna section me. So, But I've nearly been sectioned about five times. Did finding out you were pregnant pull you out of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was scared because I thought they was going to stop my medication and, I, you know, go cold turkey and I just, you know, I just couldn't do it. But they don't, they just give you extra vitamins and, you know, they try and tell you to, you know, eat, like, more, you know, like smoothies and stuff like that and just try and, you know, 
when you're getting hormonal and you're getting emotional, like just like basically they was on call 24 hours, like just ring us so we can figure out whether it's pregnancy or it's your bipolar. And what's it like to this day living with it? It's, it's very, very hard. It is very, very hard. Like, you know, talking about the things that I've gone through, you know, that, that, you know, it affects me, but I get very confused. Like I was saying before, Mars the calm on the storm. I have to say to him, tell me I'm okay, tell me I'm okay. Because I've got body dysmorphia as well. So I have to say to him, like, do I look okay? Have I put on a stone? And he's like, you asked me 10 minutes ago. So it is very hard. Like sometimes I can confuse with having a stress day with, I'm getting ill, Marv, I need to speak to the psychiatrist. It's it's hard, but you do, you know I have to manage it. Luckily, I've got a good mental health support team that do men- monitor my medication. I've got and I've got Marvin, but you know m- my little boy, he's got autism, so it kind of clashes. You know, I've got to try and keep well for him. But yeah, I, there's many times over the past this past year, I thought like I'm going under. I, I'm getting ill. I'm going under. And would you say that led to the next question which about your insane weight loss? Yeah, that yeah, that was when I got I'd lost my weight loss before I got diagnosed with bipolar. That was not long after I got attacked. I lost nearly eight stone, but then I never even knew there was a thing called body dysmorphia. That's no. another mental health illness. Like people that you know, you judge people from getting your fillers done and getting you know big boobs and you bummed them. But you know, people don't understand. That's a body. That's body dysmorphia. Like it can work both ways. It's just an image thing. But no, I lost that eight stone just not long after I got attacked. I just wanted to change who I was as a, um, as a person. But like you know, I got an obsession with it, and that was very much to do with my bipolar. Because once I do something, I get an obsession with doing that thing. Like we talked about cleaning before. I'm very OCD with my cleaning and stuff like that. So, yeah, the psychiatrist just did think like it was connected to my bipolar, why I got so addicted to liking to lose the weight. Did did you have an eating disorder? You don't have to answer that one, but it's quite interesting because a lot of people with... I'm still not allowed to be weighed now. I've got because the minute if I find out like I'm a certain weight, I'm on it. I'm downloading apps. I'm looking online. I'm counting calories, so I'm not allowed to be weighed. Like the psychiatrist will weigh me. Like he was gonna put me section me for like I went to like seven seven stone. Like I was like, if you see my old pictures on Instagram, I've not took them down for the reason it reminds me of you know how far I've come. Like I used to not be able to get up in the morning because my bones hurt that much. Like mm. you know I was on iron tablets. Like if I, I was just skeleton, anemic or something. Like my hip bones, you know, jutted out, and like the doctor was like noticing it more and more, and he was like, "Look, we need to do something about this now." And then. I suppose getting pregnant helped me a lot. Like, you've got to grow a little baby, but it didn't help. I suffered with really bad morning sickness. Mm. Like, I damaged all my teeth. I'm like, all my front teeth have had to be fixed. I've got, you know, loads of fillings here that I'm, I'm going to get my teeth done. Through the enamel. Of course. My hair got really thin. My nails, like, yeah. It's shit, yeah. Re- still really bruised easy now. Like, there's after effects from it, yeah. I used to be a size 14 to 16. I went down to a size 8 within six months due to getting ill. That's what I mean. And everyone thought I did it through... Purposely. I didn't. Yeah. But when I got to that weight, I started getting attention. 
and that's then it. led on to an eating disorder. But it got to the point oh, wow, where I, I went down to, I've still got photos of it, skin and bones. There's a photo of me at a festival and I've got my legs crossed like this. I've got a pair of Dr. Martens on and it's just like a stick of a leg. And I look at it, I thought I looked sexy as fuck. Yeah, I same. And I looked... Oh, bless her. Fucking hell. I think the more people tell you, oh, God, you look great, you look great, you're like... Yeah, you're like, oh, well, it's one of my ex-boyfriends who was turned out to be abusive. Uh, turned around, he was like, wanted me back when I was, quote-unquote, big Jen, he used to call me. He didn't want to uh, get to know me. And then as soon as I lost all that weight, all the attentions, and then... Yeah, you kind of got in my head. A lot more weight when you got rid of him, didn't you? Yeah, fucking... Yeah, yeah that was the best weight you ever lost. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> but it's... I, I think a lot of people misunderstand eating disorders. Yeah, they do. But I think a lot of people think it's for attention. It's not for attention. Social media, like, that is... Mm. Like, I came off Instagram and Facebook for a lot, uh, quite a while, because, like, I was getting... You don't understand these pictures, the photoshops. And I was like, why can't I be that mm. perfect? I still do it now. Like, I look at myself, like... I just, like, I come across as confident and bubbly and behind, I'm really not, like, I'm just so not confident, like, like, my little brother will tell you, Marvin will tell you, and Marvin says, you need to get out of this, you know, you're going back into this habit again, like, a few months ago, you was like, oh, I think, you know, I feel great, and I don't know what's happening lately, but, like, even though Talon's boys go for it, he went, you, you know, you're going to, rub off onto him and then you're going to wonder why, you know, he's like that. But it's nice. No, it's, it, I'm, I need to decide it's mental health illness. It's not, it's not for attention. I used to notice uh, one of my friends, she was overly calorie obsessed and I noticed her child started doing it. Yeah, that's just what I'm saying. And I was like, wow. Yeah. It, like what we were saying before. Yeah. You copy your parents. Yeah. You, co you do, you copy yeah. your parents. And I don't think she knew she was. I mean, I went from a size. 18, 20 to a size four to six. It's basically like six, seven months. And it's, it's not nice. It's not. And there's so many people that are going behind, do, doing it behind closed doors. And I think a lot more people are going through it since COVID. Oh, yeah. Because I, I think they might have suffered at the beginning of COVID, especially I did. The first lockdown, I stuffed my face for two weeks. Same. Cheeses. Same. <laughs> cheese what crackers. What else can you do, though, yeah, really? Yeah, it was like cheese booze yeah like I, I was i turned into a lush of cheese and booze <laughs> and uh, and then after i actually went into fitness and yeah. i think a lot of people do but i can imagine people who aren't really into fitness perhaps just started going down that route sad, and it's yeah. so sad it's so easy to slip into though isn't it i don't think people understand they really don't no For once you can make yourself like I could just think and be sick. I didn't need to put my fingers, you know, I didn't need to do all that. Once, you know, you do it once and you do it twice and you think, oh. To me, it was more about you being in control of my body. Like It's was, a control thing, that's what yeah. they say. It's a bit of OCD yeah. as well. Since I was 15, my, like, when I got attacked twice, my body had been controlled. This was my time so to take my control back. Yeah. Like, this my body, I'll control it, I'll do what I want with it. But, you know, you, you fall into that really big cycle. Have you ever had an issue? Because men get it too. Yeah, men do. I got a bit locked down, lad. <laughs> <laughs> You're conscious then. <laughs> I think for men, there's like less pressure. I don't think so. Because it's never something I've ever considered, really. 
in my life. I've not, I don't know any men who've like come and talked to me about it, but men don't talk about things. Do nah. they? No, they're only starting to. Obviously, it's coming out with, you know, men suffering with depression. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's becoming more and more common. And I hope it continues that yeah, way. Yeah, definitely. And mental mental health. Yeah, and, definitely. You know. A couple of years ago, you wouldn't talk about it, would you? No. No, but it is all, important to talk about. You were seen as a. Definitely not an alpha male if you spoke about anything like that. Yeah, you were seen, seen as like the weaker of the pack, weren't you? Yeah. So it's good how the movement sort of go yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah. Right. We. I'm wearing the right top for this. Um, being very vocal about how victims of violent crime aren't given the tools to get over a traumatic event. No, they're not. Absolutely not. When I got attacked, well, off. You know, Adam Downworth, we'll, we'll talk about that one because that was just a horrific court case. On the mark one, I didn't have to go to court. You know, they come and they, you know, they put you through all these police interviews and then it's like, they've not caught him, so they leave you, you know. I was begging him, like, I need to be moved, you know, where I live. The housing is saying, no, the police, the pop checking in, in every, you know, every now and again. They don't give you the right tools, they, they, you know, they, they don't prepare you for what going into that courtroom, putting on that stand. They do not tell you what he knows. Like, you know, I found out only a few months ago, he was allowed to keep every single girl's file, every single girl's pictures of what he did to us in his cell because he was presumed innocent. They, They don't tell you anything like that. They don't... I. The only time I seen a bit of passion was when I was meant to go one day and it ran over trial and I said to him... I'm not going, like, you're putting me through, you know, too much. And he was like, oh, you know, let's let's go for me and we'll talk about this. And it's like, they, they, they do not give you the tools, especially after. They just like, want the conviction. A hundred percent. Like, my defence barrister, like, he was great. Of course, he's going to be great. You, you know, you get paid for it. But, you know, they do not prepare you for the way you get stripped apart by that, by his defence lawyer. Like, the, the things that man said to me, like, I should have been, you know, been prepared for that. You know, I should have been told that his family would be, be sitting as close as me and you were sitting to my family. Like, that his girlfriend's allowed to come in the courtroom while I'm giving my... They do not give you the tools. And then when it's over... They've got the sentence, they've got the conviction, it's well done, you've given your evidence, we've put a predator away, and then you're left with the nightmares, the trauma, the scars, all the rest of it, and where do you go for help? You can say you can go for counselling, but what what counselling? The police should have a counselling firm to, you know, help women you know like that I mean I tried to kill myself after you know the court case it you know it you know it got you know that much pressure there was nowhere to turn you don't want to turn to your family because you know you you're putting your pain I certainly didn't want to turn to Marvin because I didn't want to put my pain and they just do not give you the tools victims they don't and I think that's why a lot of them do not come forward because you know sometimes you know you're not believed and then when you are believed you know you you just left and it's like the system does not care for you they you know they care that they've got tick he's in jail and it's amazing because of all their detective work they've got this massive guy in jail and you know well well done but then 
you know, when you go home at night, do you think about as victims? Like, do you... Do, do you know, reckon they sleep well at night? In the nice apartments, driving the nice cars. I know I do. Do you, with your guilty conscience? Well, I don't, but I haven't got, a, you know, a guilty conscience. I mean, I still speak to some of the girls that, you know, got attacked. You know, I've reached out to them to one of them become a very close friend of mine. After she got attacked, we live around the corner from each other, you know. We was each other's support. She didn't get no support. Off it, you know, you're meant to have a, a liaison officer, but no, once once they've got the conviction and, you know, once the chief's happy with everything, you're just another, um, you're just another tick on the paper. No, and no, I think no. it's quite sad. I think there should be a place set up for when you go through, you know, court cases, look, this is the support we'll give you after, you know. It should, it should be funded. Like, you can wait now for a year for counselling, but that's just like mental health counselling, you know. I, that's why I had to go through many ones to figure out whether it was my bipolar or I had, had post-traumatic stress disorder from when I got attacked off Adam. Now, if you had counselling for victims of them crimes, I wouldn't have had to gone through so many appointments to figure out whether it was that or not. I just, you know, something needs to give, doesn't it? So during a the court case, they didn't break it down bit by bit by bit to you? They tell you that, right, this is the day you're giving evidence. He's pleading not guilty. You're, you've got to watch your plea. Like, they didn't tell me till the day I got there. You do a police interview. Bad went on for about three hours. And then you have to go back to the headquarters and watch it just before the the trial begins. But then they don't did not tell me. I've then got to go to another separate part of the Crown Court. I've got to watch it while it's on a big screen in the courtroom, so he can watch it, the jury can watch it, and the judge can watch it, and my family can watch it. So he's react. So everyone in that courtroom, why they're watching me watch it, is to judge whether I get emotional, whether I kind of smirk or, so, oh, we think she's lying there. I didn't get told that until I was like, is it upstairs? I thought the courtroom was there. They was like, no, this is what happens first. You should be prepared for something, you know, so, so big. I don't think the lawyers should even be able to, the word, you are a liar, be allowed to come out of their mouths. That is literally what he called me. He said to me, crystal clear, you're lying, aren't you? I, can you imagine... No wonder so many victims, so many predators go under the radar because when you hear that you're getting called a liar of the people that are meant to protect you, that are meant to run this country, why are you going to put yourself through that? You're not. There was many times I didn't want to go back, only that I didn't want him to win. I did go back, but, you know, I can see why people don't. Mm. Like, I, I really can. It's all too common. What are your yeah. views on this? Total flaw in the system that the cops, it's just a, a tick list, convictions, rates. Yeah. And these guys, if you look at the stats of how many of them end up in prison and how many goes underreported and how many get off of it. Yeah. You wonder why women even bother. You do, you wonder why. Yeah. You wonder why they bother, you get lenient sentences. It should be the complete other way. There should be an incentive for women to come forward and put these bastards away. Yeah. But it's like, it's not a priority to the police. Mm -hmm. No, these, I've always said it, drug dealers are. Yes. You know why? Because they get more funding. Yeah. It's where the money comes from. Yes. Sexual abuse victims. We don't, what money do they get off us? 
They don't get no money off us. Well, so they give, you know, they'll give a rapist four years. They'll give a drug dealer a big eight years. And they'll take all his assets. All his assets. And it'll all be recycled back to the cops. Yeah, but that rapist can come out and his house can still be there. He can go back living in it. Mm. How, how is that fair? That ain't fair. No. I'm not saying drugs is a good thing. I'm not saying, you know, let's get away with it. But when you weigh up. Crimes against women and kids should be at the top of the police's list. Absolutely, top of the list. How the, these judges even give people suspended sentences for these crimes, like we talked about in the last one, his brother walked out of that courtroom with a community order, not even a suspended sentence. Like, you, she was 11 years of age. It's disgusting. <laughs> like, you know, come on. But I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever change. Many people have asked me that, you know, when they've reached out on Instagram and Facebook to me, you know, and said, what needs to change? Like, do you think the system's corrupt? And I'll always be honest with people that message me. I don't think the system will ever change. No? Nope. The, the whole world is run by money. Everyone's money hungry. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as long as rape victims and sexual and all that aren't making the money, no. Nah. It'll never change. And America yeah. spread it across the entire world. They say to every country, your aid, your foreign aid is dependent on you fighting the war on drugs. Yeah, that's it. Do Billion, you get any, billions sorry. and billions of dollars for those yeah. countries. That's what yeah. I mean. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Big business. Yeah, big business. <laughs> yeah. Do you get many people reach out then? Yeah, I get quite a few reaching out, yeah. Yeah, yeah I get yeah, quite a few. Instagram, Facebook, stuff like that, yeah. Yeah. Loads of nice comments and stuff Whoa. like that, yeah. That's good. So how did it feel when the first podcast premiered of yours? Oh, I was in London at the time. <laughs> so it was like, oh, yeah, oh, I was really nervous. Like, I'd seen the um, preview, and it, was, and it was, you know, it's done amazingly. And I was like, oh, I was so nervous. And then I was in London, and, like, I was listening and watching bits of it. And then when I did get back, I, you know, I watched it on my own, and I just, I was so nervous, but... But after everything you've been through, did the responses like restore your faith in yeah, people? Yeah, oh, after that, it so gave me support. so many nightmares. But reading through the comments, like people say that like, I'm helping them, but they're actually helping me. I didn't even know that I was still healing. Like you put it in the back of your mind, don't you? I didn't know it was still raw, but like these com comments, yeah, the, the, it makes it worth it. It makes it worth opening Pandora's box and like saying here's my soul like a lot of I, like I put it on my Facebook and like it's not something I'd do because and then people was messaging me oh my god Kira like you know we didn't know you went through that when you you was younger and I like I could I, sometimes I get quite embarrassed talking about it like I you know I blush but I'm learning you know not to now I'm learning to see the bigger picture of what I want out of it to me like I just said it's not a money thing I want to be able to go out and talk to people and say to people, you know, you can be strong, somebody cares. Even if it's just me, we care. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, just do something. Like so many people just, I don't know, they want to do this to make money. I'm like, yeah, if you're making money out of that, it's good. But you've got to have, you've got to have a passion for it. Do you know? You've got to have a passion for it. And I've, that's why I'm starting to speak up about it. No, well done, I was asked yesterday by a survivor, if it's not going to change this, it's not going to change. Like what you said, it's all money. What's the point of doing all this? And I said, it's inspiring other people who've been through it to come out and tell their story. It helps them psychologically. Plus a lot of cops watch these. I've had cops come up to me like about around town and stuff and say, look, I watch your videos. 
and what you're saying is right, but it comes from up top what we've got to do. It's, yeah. you know, we, we, we joined to put away the predators. Yeah. We joined to put them away. Yeah. But then we're sent to do these other things. It's yeah. revenue generation. So it is, it's all, that's from the cops themselves. It is all about money. But I think if enough cops are watching this and people inside the system are watching this, that's more and more pressure put on the system mm. to change. That's what they need. They need yeah. pressure putting on them. And that's what they need to for. sweat. They need to think, right, even if we just start a little organisation, then let's see where it builds. And, you know, it could keep growing and growing and growing. And before you know it, the little ticks that you like are all going to go down. Jails are, you know, going to be emptier because, you know, we're, we're putting these predators off or maybe jails will go higher because we're putting them away. Mm. like Marvin spoke to the police in town like he's reached out to him he's been to the headquarters he like he keeps going like I want to get in schools you know I want to get in colleges and they've been saying like we're watching your videos you know we're going to email you and you know it's whether they do or you know they don't you know we'll see but that's our goal for it I said it to you yesterday though you're like a counsellor <laughs> I said it to you how do you sleep does it not give you nightmares <laughs> you are literally like a counsellor I think we've just had um, we've got so many we've had so many people on now we've just got more and more used to it yeah. perhaps we're at like at first it was yeah perhaps we are absorbing it and it's difficult yeah, yeah. you can yeah. understand it's difficult I'd yeah. sort of take on their energy especially if it was a hiring story and They'd leave, everyone leave, the camera and gone. I'd sit there and I'd be like in a really weird state. I suppose, like, I'm not being sexist. It, it has, it's a bit more emotionally and tougher for a woman. Well, we've, been, we've cried with so many of the guests now, haven't we? Especially in recent months. There was like five in a row <laughs> that came on. There was, that, what, there was that point where five in a row came on, we was, ended up crying with them. Yeah, yeah. Know, you're not we were trying yeah. to go on a roll at that point then. But I remember when I first no. got out of jail and I started telling people my story and it, it felt good. Yeah. I was honoured that people were interested and it just felt good to get it off my chest. Yeah. I felt honoured that like people like yourself are interested because like when Marvin introduced me to like the podcast world, I was like, yeah, but you're interesting, Marv. Like you've lived an interesting life. Like you've been shot and all that. Like, everyone wants to say that. He was like, are you for real? Like you've been through all this. You can help people. And it took him months to grind me down to like, you know, what I get into it. But I'm glad to listen to him for once. What did you think of the podcast world when you first seen it? I just thought he was a not used, like some, <laughs> like, like kids in a playground, aren't they? Because, like, he used to think I wasn't li listening, like, when pottering around the kitchen. And, like, you, you know, you're listening in the background. And I think that's what's putting, you know, putting me off. But then I really started listening to people like you. It was like, okay, so they're not just, you know, Chats. out here playing, chatting shit online. They're actually doing something for a cause. And the more I thought about it, the more I said, like, all right, we'll give it a go and, we, you know, we'll see how it goes. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So we'll move on to little talent. My little talent. I mean, he's got a few issues. Yeah, he, he's autistic talent. Yeah, like, we um, just we put him in private school. Soon as lockdown ended, he was not even two, and it was a real because you never used to diagnose you till you was five. And it's it, my nephew had it, and you know he got pushed from pillar to post. You know, everyone used to call him a naughty kid, and me and him jailed like that. So and then he went. We put talent in nursery. He's like his teacher said, like we've noticed, you know, a few few things about him. But we was noticing him at home. You know, he walks on his tiptoes, and like you'll put shoes on him, but it won't last five <laughs> minutes. He's got to have them bare. 
like he can't really speak. He used to be able to say words that I think now he's forgot. He can say certain words like mum, dad. He's nowhere near where he's at. Like he can't use a knife, fork or spoon. He can't eat wet food. He sits, the, the world gets too loud for him. Mm. You know, you know, stuff like that. And then he has massive outbursts where he bites and, you know, he scratches and pulls your hair and he's got a thing for water. He won't interact with children. Will not interact with children. I think sometimes, and like you know, when people come to me and go, "Hiya," sometimes you've got to say to him straight away, "Oh, look, he's." Because I had this woman say to me, her child like said alone. She went, "Oh, he mustn't want to speak to you." And I went, "No, he can't speak. He's autistic." And she kind of just got embarrassed and walked away. So yeah, it took me twelve years to have my baby Talon. Twelve years. I knew he was a boy straight away when I found out I was pregnant. Went and started buying. Boy's clothes, Marvin was like, <laughs> bought my pram at 10 weeks. I was full steam ahead. Mm. Loved being pregnant, loved being pregnant. And then he came into the world with a bang on um, bonfire night by emergency C-section. Mm. Massive black hair, furry, hairy shoulders, <laughs> and has been my little best mate ever since. Mm. So do you tell him every bonfire night that the fireworks of him? Every single week. Put him, but you can't, you've got to now do it through the window. We noticed last year, they were screaming, but we yeah. tell him every year, they're celebrating your birthday. Look what they're doing for you. <laughs> this is your party. Look, <laughs> everyone celebrates for you. We tell him every single year. Yeah. Like we buy the fireworks and let the neighbors let them off for him. We're like, look, it's your party. He's, you know, autism, though, it doesn't do, you know, sometimes I struggle with it. I get embarrassed. Like, you know, if he's having a meltdown in public, I get embarrassed. Like, everyone's staring at me. But that's just me as a person where Marvin's just like, fuck it, let him stare. Like, it's not his fault. But, you know, they're so clever. He's so sneaky, but he's so loving. Like, he knows he's done something wrong. He's coming up and he's giving me a kiss and a <laughs> cuddle. And he's giving it, mama, mama. He's just discovered to say hiya, but he goes, hiya, hiya. Oh. And I'm like, you're not from the sticks, kid. You're from, you know... <laughs> Manchester, not from up the steps. But yeah, he's beautiful. He's absolutely beautiful. He, you know, he goes to nursery, but he has a one-on-one -on -one worker. Uh, he is, he's, he's full-time, doesn't, doesn't really sleep two o'clock this morning. He slept up again at four, five, six. So he has to sleep in our room. He doesn't know the, he doesn't know about danger. Like he can just, like the other day, he skates out of his pram. We've asked to buy a new one. I just was pegging it. He just, he just doesn't get it. He just, you know, like one day his toe was cut open, bleeding. Like, it's like he doesn't feel like pain, stuff like that. Like, it's going to be a challenging future for him. Very, very challenging. But, you know, he's just special. He's not, it's nothing to feel like. Some people go, I'm so sorry to wear that. And it's like, don't say that. Like, there's nothing to no. He's just extra special. And it's, you know, it is what it is. He's still my son. Yeah. Because we met him yesterday, didn't we? Mm -hmm. We did, yes. Yes. <laughs> Having a meal Peppa was Pig. fun. Peppa, Peppa Pig. Pig. <laughs> Not enough Peppa Pig in the world. <laughs> Sean loved it. <laughs> the, the crazy hands. <laughs> yeah, the crazy hands. <laughs> 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 Sorry, because Marvin's wrote it, it's about you begging the judge for his freedom. Yeah. Okay, so... 
because Marvin was becoming a prolific offender. So there was a judge, he was a really high court judge, he went right to London, called Judge Gilbatch, you remember the Manchester riots? Mm -hmm. He was the recorder of Manchester at the time, he was the one that was giving everyone all them harsh sentences. Let me tell you, he was the nicest man ever. So what had happened, because Marvin was getting prolific and they put a <coughs> firm on him, even if you got caught shoplifting, they put him up in Crown Court. Let's give him a hat. And he'd go up in front of Gilbert. But Gilbert took a shine to me. So I'd go and sit like right at the front and he'd say, right, tell me why does he deserve to get out this time when he was up last week? And I'd be like, oh, but he only touched the car. Like, he'd, like I'd beg him and say like, look, you know, like I'll change him. And you know what? It worked for a very long time. <laughs> Me and Gilbert got on for a very long time and he used to sh literally shout to Marvin at the top of his lungs, you are lucky that she comes to court to support you until the day it didn't work anymore. And he was really, he, he looked really sad when he told me he called me and, you know, to the back chambers because I'd missed it. And he said, because he did say next time you're going to get, you're looking at two years and we'd never done them big sentences, you know, with Marvin and I come... And I just remember crying, thinking, oh, my God, this is the big sentence. And he went, I gave him so out weeks. And I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I used to have to literally beg him. Like, he was the one that was mortified that he got put on that tag. Like, who's, who's put him on, you know, when he came back up in front of him? Like, who put this man on that tag? Like, you want him, you know, you're setting him up to fail. He was fair. Like, obviously, with the riots, if you'd done, like, serious crimes like he's giving you I would hate to be up in front of him if I was copping a you know a big charge but he was he was fair he made it all the way up to like the big boys in London but we we googled him when we started all this because we'd like to you know have seen him but unfortunately he's passed away but his son his son's you know stepped into his shoes and you know I hope he's gonna be a good as man as his, his dad was yeah <laughs> okay you're actually doing fuck all today, aren't you? <laughs> almost, almost, out, almost out of time, Jen. Right, well, I, there's two that I really want to hear about <laughs> in particular. Marv won being wanted and taking chase because Marv dived out of the window to get away. Oh, God. This is crazy this day. So I've gone, locked him in the house, but... I locked him in the house, but the, 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 the windows was open. If you want to go... That was just for my peace of mind. So I've gone to Tesco and I'm, and I'm shopping and I, I knew he was wanted at the time so the police are phoning and they was like, you've locked him in, he, he's wanted, do you need to come back to the house? I was like, right, well I'm at the cell, I'll be, you know, as quick as I could back, I'll be on. So never in my wildest dreams did I think he'd get off. They phoned me back, he went, that little bastard escaped out the back window and I went, he can't fit through my back window. No, he wouldn't do that. He would not do that to me. He went, oh, yeah, he did. He came to the front window and said, if I climb through, he was going to set that dog on Meg. So I was like, my dog? She's a ball of fluff. So I thought, no, I've come home. He jumped that back. But we, the fence was this high, so they've come in, looked around anyway. So he was like, little bastard didn't even have no shoes on, didn't even have no top on. So I thought, he's hiding somewhere around here for me to come and find him. So I'm looking, I'm looking at you. Have they gone yet? I went to him, get out this alleyway. <laughs> there on my front, I've had to sneak him <laughs> round my back, get him dressed and bring him over to my mum's. I don't know how he even got away from him. Unbelievable. <laughs> no. Just jumped out the window. That was the night that they, 
he left it open. I went to my mum's, I come back. There was all boot footprints and my TV had got thrown on the floor. The dog was under the cupboard. Oh, they did that because they knew because I wasn't at home, I'd found him. I mean, how often would they come for him? Every day. What? Every day. It was bliss when he went to jail. <laughs> bliss. <laughs> I knew if someone knocked at my door, it was, you know, it wasn't every single day. Every day you didn't get a break. Whether they'd be shining torches in my window at two o'clock in the morning, you know, banging down my door, just, oh, is he in? He might not even have been wanted. They just wanted to know where he was. Mm. And then if they did knock and found out he wasn't there, then like they'd go and, you know, say, oh, Liam Avenitrans, you know, he's out, it's two o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah, the nuisance calls I used to get, it was sort of horrendous. How long did that go on for? Five and a half years. Wow. Five and a half must, years. You must be ecstatic oh. that he is no longer in that life. Yeah, no, but not about, about four and a half, yeah, about four, because at the beginning we didn't li live together. Yeah, about four and a half years that went on. And they always went to my house, never to his dad's, always to my house. He would never knock on his dad's. Always, man. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. I think that's why when you asked me in the beginning, like, did I think about, you know, giving it up and, you know, breaking it off with him. It get you know, it gets tiring, like, especially when, you know, I'm trying to avoid the police now, like, I've got my little job and I'm, you know, it feels like you're going in two different directions. You're still bringing trouble to my door. Do you know what? It does, it, get, it gets tiring. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to finish up there? All right. Do you want to let the viewers know where they can find you and follow you and send you messages? Yeah, and... you can follow me on Instagram or you can follow me on Facebook, Kira Redmond. So what's coming up, part three? Ooh, wow. <laughs> well, what is coming up in part three? Well, we'll find out what's coming up in part three. Oh, I can't wait Lots for more interesting stuff. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, Kira. Thank you for having me right, on, guys. Yeah, huge thank you.